My mom wears her bold shirt every day. Every mom should wear a bold movement. I love matching my mama. I love having a bold mom. And right now, you can receive free shipping on all orders over $50. Don't forget to check out our Bible studies. Go out and be bold. Hey guys, and welcome back to season four of the Talk Bible to Me podcast. I am Megan Rawlings, and joining me is the beautiful, wonderful... Emily Richardson. I tried to jump in earlier. She didn't know I was going to say all those compliments. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Emily and I today are going to be uh, talking about Hosea chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And I am so excited to get into this with her. Emily, before we dive in, how are you? How's life? Oh, good. Life is good. Yeah. We, uh, we opened an Airbnb this week. Ooh. And, and how, how can people find your Airbnb, Em? Uh, just type in the Colonial Winston-Salem on Airbnb. You should find it. There you go. I hope you find it. You guys it. are looking to come stay with us. If you're looking to head to Winston-Salem, <laughs> she's got an Airbnb ready to go for you. Um, make sure you check that out because it's really nice. I literally <laughs> saw it. <laughs> Thanks for that free advertising. (laughs) All right. We are so excited to dive into this. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I'm going to read verse one. And typically when we do this, we're going to read a couple verses at a time. But um, I'm going to read verse one. But before I do that, listen to our intro song. after okay and welcome sorry that i completely forgot about our introduction song and intro but (laughs) no big deal let's go ahead and jump we've only done this for four seasons it's okay (laughs) listen (laughs) we're just like giddy we've been talking before so here we go verse one in that day you will call your brothers ami my people and you will call your sisters Ruhama, the ones I love. Now, we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I probably should have mentioned that before we get started. But I wanted to hit on verse 1 before we really got into it. Because most of the commentaries that I read, Emily, stated that Mm -hmm. verse 1 actually goes with the end of chapter 1. And so, if you remember from last week, we ended it kind of on this high note of here are all these negative connotations and negative names that God gave his children. And then it showed hope with um, uh, Jezreel and and things like that. And this is adding to that hope from the end of chapter 1. And so, really, this, this is just a continuation of This is what the negative is, but there is hope. And this is what the good, my people, and remember his name was not my people, Lohami and Loruahama and uh, uh, I don't love you and then the ones I love. Um, That's not her name, but you know what I'm saying. No mercy. Yes. Thank you. Do you want to add anything to that? No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um. No, I just just that reminder too as we jump into this that um, this whole section, um, the whole main theme of this is Israel's rebellion, and so um, 
you know, it's it's a prophetic symbol telling the story of God's relationship to Israel. And uh, love this starting off on this first verse, but also ending it from the previous chapter of that little bit of hope that everything ends with hope. It never ends with destruction. But we're about to kind of go into some destruction mm. here for the next next verse. Yes, we are. So this next section was challenging, I think, um, for me to really research because this is very poetic. It's poetry. Mm -hmm. But something I have to keep reminding myself is poetry is not always, um, does not always equal not true, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that's a common misconception. In Genesis, when we read the first chapter, um, and parts of the second chapter that's actually written in poetic form. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I mean, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so this is poetry. And there are some scholars who will say, well, it's poetry. Therefore, it's all symbolic and metaphorical. Not necessarily. Yeah. Just because it's poetry doesn't mean it's not true. Yes, there is symbolism yeah. in poetry. Yes, it is poetic. Um, but I think something I want, I want us to keep in mind is this next section we're going into It's charges against an unfaithful wife, correct? Um, And we need to remember, this is true because it's talking about Gomer, but it's also a reflection of Israel. And um, when we talk about Israel, we're talking about the top people, the leadership, the the royalty, um, and that's who Gomer represents. So let's go ahead and read verses two through five. Do you want to do that, Emily? I sure can. All right, so it says, But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness, and I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute, and she became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. Something I want to highlight immediately is in verse 2, but now brings charges against Israel, your mother. Um, The Mm -hmm. influence of mother over their children. We Don't get me off on a tyrant, because I will go and go and go. (laughs) But I just want this to be reiterated. Um, Israel, your mother, mothers influence children. Um, It's our role. It's a God Mm -hmm. divine, God given, God divine. God divine. (laughs) Thank you. It is a God given divine role, as I was trying to say. And um, this is just highlighting the fact that in this scenario, Israel is Gomer the mother. I just think that's really, really important for us to grasp. Anything you want to add yeah. to that? Yeah. And, and just the idea, you know, it's the children being called to rebuke or plead with their mother, um, which as a mom, for me, children do have great influence over their moms. Like if my kid comes up to me and says, Hey, I don't like that you did that. Obviously like within reason. Um, but I've, if I've truly made a mistake, and my child comes to me and says, that hurt my feelings or that, you know, didn't make me feel good. Um, that's going to have a pretty big influence over me to, to kind of wake me up. Like, am I mothering well? And um, I think God knows that too with children and their mothers. That relationship is just so strong um, or it should be. And so he has given them a responsibility too to confront their mother for the sin that she's um, 
that she's doing toward her children and toward God. Yeah. Um, in verse two, um, this is, I almost look at this like potential divorce. <laughs> um, and if anyone has been through a divorce or seen divorce, like it's ugly and it's terrible and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. It's painful. And, um, we love people who have been divorced. That's not something we're looking down on. Um, yeah. because they've been to hell and back, you know, that's, that's tough. And I think here, this mm-hmm. also, um, for she is no longer my wife and I'm no longer her husband. This is that big D word. I don't think it's necessarily saying that they are divorced, but I think it's more of a threat um, of it. And if you, like I said, if you've had a glimpse into divorce at all, then you know how painful and terrible it can be. And to have that kind of language um, between God and his chosen people, it's the same language that we use in the New Testament as well between Christ and the church. So um, Mm -hmm. there's always been this covenant of marriage symbolically for God and, and, uh, those who love him. Um, and to have that word divorce thrown out there is kind of, I think it's terrifying. Yeah. But it's, it's within reason though, when you look at the things that she's done, Gomer and Israel, um, I have a note that talks about, you know, it can be awkward to hear this, this verse about her breasts being laid bare, but it's, it's supposed to be vivid. It's supposed to be, um, almost shocking to kind of wake you up to what is happening here because she has this, this note that I has have, it says, so Israel having turned from her own true God was guilty of unblushing idolatry and voluptuous service to false gods. And so it's just showing this isn't just like a, Oh, we disagree kind of divorce. This is, you have completely abandoned me. You have, you know, betrayed me that, that stuff that divorce is within reason. Um, and the fact that it's a it's a threat and not it doesn't actually happen like that just shows the mercy of God. If you've ever been through a divorce or you've experienced adultery of any kind, it's painful. I mean, it's destructive. And so, just the fact that you know the Lord will He'll threaten and He'll show you like this is what you're doing wrong, but also I still love you and I'll do everything I can to get you back. Absolutely. So, and in um, verse three, uh, less talking about stripping her naked. This is a form mm-hmm. of public humiliation because of her being mm-hmm. an unfaithful wife. This is not um, exceptional during this time. Like it's not something that was unordinary. So if someone cheated on their spouse, this was just a practice. Like, you know, it was, mm-hmm. um, this even goes back clear to like Noah, the, the, uh, the embarrassment of being naked um, the mm-hmm. public humiliation yeah. that comes with it. No, I remember when his son um, mm-hmm. went around mocking him for being drunk and naked in the tent. That's a whole nother conversation, but I'm just showing that there are other places in scripture <laughs> where this takes place. Um, yeah. And, uh, and continuing on to four and five, this is talking about, you know, your children are for, from someone else. This is just confirming mm-hmm. that infidelity and the injury that's caused mm-hmm. by infidelity from a husband to a wife, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, Em. Um, this is the same kind of pain that God feels mm-hmm. whenever we lust after or turn toward other gods or um, mm-hmm. idols. And really, I mean, it doesn't have to be a mythical creature for it to be 
a God, quote unquote, little G that we worship. Um, It could be, you know, people's opinions of you on social media. That could be the God you Mm -hmm. worship. It could be food. It could be, um, I don't know, there's tons of money, Money, sex, power, whatever. Yeah. And going back to that, the, the shame of nakedness too. I mean, that's, I think a big purpose of that is to go back to the creation story because the first time that nakedness was shameful was right after the very first sin. And so it's that, it's that reminder that this is, this is a, this is sin. This is brokenness. This is us betraying God. And so when there is that conversation of being stripped down to nakedness, it, it, for them should take them right back to the original sin. It should remind them that like nakedness is that first realization that you have betrayed God. So, um, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. Very good point. Um, and then finally at the end of five, um, she'll run after other lovers and sell. Um, she said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen and for olive oil and drinks. Do you remember Emily talked about last week and might've been the week before in the introduction, how, um, Israel started becoming dependent on the nations that surrounded them and started depending on Mm -hmm. those nations, gods and their cults and, and those tendencies. Um, and this is, uh, confirming that we are going to depend on everyone, but God, the same way that this, um, estranged wife is depending on other lovers for um basic necessities and this is god saying like why i'm the one who provided this why are you going to other people um and so i just Mm -hmm. wanted to point that out to kind of bridge the gap from the past couple of podcasts to this one yep yeah and we do this too even in modern day we rely on governments to provide everything for us oh that's a rant i could go on forever if the church would do her (laughs) job (laughs) a whole other podcast (laughs) okay verses six through eight i'll read them for this reason i will fence her in with thorn bushes i will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way when she runs after her lover she won't be able to catch them she will search for them but not find them then she will think i might as well return to my husband for i was better off with him than i am now she doesn't realize it was i who gave her everything she has the grain the new wine the olive oil i even gave her silver and gold but she gave all of my gifts to baal um <laughs> gosh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so frustrating looking objectively at this because it's like, girl, you're stupid. But how many times have I been Gomer? How many times have I been Israel? Yeah. You know? And it's like, yep. I can read this and be like, obviously God provided those things. Why are you mm-hmm. chasing other means? But I mean, we do this every day whenever we choose sin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even something as simple as the home you live in and you get so frustrated about the way that it looks or the way, you know, you wish that you had something else. But I always hear this quote, it's kind of cheesy, but it, I feel like it is kind of meaningful, but you always, um, what has it go? Something like, um, what you have now you used to pray for. And so just being grateful for what you have, but so often we're like, Oh, I wish I had that. Or I wish that we had more of this, but you know, maybe five years ago you you wished that you had what you have now. Um, and you forget that that's, you didn't get that yourself. I mean, it might feel that way. You might've worked hard for it, but it's no other way than God that you have everything that you have. (laughs) Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And you know what? um, I think gratitude is the weapon to discontentment, to sin, to Mm -hmm. covetousness, to anxiety, Mm -hmm. to fear. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is a weapon. And I think 
well, I know all throughout scripture, it's be grateful, be thankful. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're not, and maybe that's, that's probably more of an American thing than a worldwide Mm -hmm. thing. Um, because when you are so prosperous or you have all of these things that are so easily, um, at at your hand, at your fingertips, um, it's easy to not be grateful, but to want more. Um, yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this in our Philippians season, Mm -hmm. um, I think it was Philippians 4 where you talk about you cannot simultaneously be ungrateful and be praising or you can't be anxious and praising God at the same time. You just can't. It just cannot happen because if you're praising God for what you have, then there's no room for you to be afraid for what you don't have or what you're afraid is going to happen to you. Yeah. There's like neuroscience where your brain cannot, Mm -hmm. um, it cannot process anxiety, Mm -hmm. fear, what discontentment at the same time that it's processing gratitude. So. Mm -hmm. That's yep. one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. Um, Science and Bible go together. It's it's almost like God God made science. <laughs> almost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish this up, 9 through 13. Yep. Why don't you hit it? All right, it says, But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine I generously provided for each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to her annual festivals, her new moon celebrations, and her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will destroy her grapevines and fig trees, things she claims her lovers gave her. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat the fruit. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. Um, this punishment is so that there will be repentance. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to hit rock bottom before you get up you know mm-hmm. um yeah i don't think i think god uses our our trials to bring us back to him i agree you know it's it's not that he wishes to punish us but he is a good father and when your kids are disobedient there are consequences i mean i've seen i've seen kids that don't have consequences and they're absolutely crazy <laughs> but the kids that have parents that discipline and give them consequences those kids are the ones that are obedient and they're kind and they repent. And um, this is what God's doing. He's just being a good dad. He's just simply, and it sounds harsh, but I mean, this is, it's a harsh punishment worthy of a harsh sin and betrayal. So, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about worship of Baal. I looked it up a little bit because I think it's important to see what they were doing to understand why that punishment is so harsh. Mm-hmm. Um and I have a, a quote. It's from uh, uh, from gotquestions.org. I love that website just for some some referencing. But it says, But all worship was rooted in sensuality and involved ritualistic prostitution in the temples. At times, appeasing Baal required human sacrifice, usually the firstborn of the one making the sacrifice, as well as self-inflicted injury. And so not only were they using this prostitution to get what they wanted. That's basically what they were doing was they were using sex and money and all of this to try to um, gain their 
sinful desires, but they were sacrificing humans, which is the complete opposite of what God requires of us. He never requires us to sacrifice physically our bodies to appease him. Um, And so it was such an insult to him because he had given them a different way to sacrifice for their sins. He was using animals and then, you know, he sacrificed his own son for us so that we wouldn't have to do it. And so this this insult of of sacrificing their human firstborn babies um, just it was to him so wrong, so evil that it had it required punishment. It had to have um, harsh harsh consequences. Absolutely, and I think that's so important to point out. And I'm so glad you did because. Um, this isn't just like, even though, um, you know, turning against God is treason, right? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's tree. Sorry. Even though treason against God, (laughs) the punishment is death. Um, and he does, uh, talk about, um, loving other gods, um, is treason. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that it's not just, we have this, uh, hmm jealous God, even though he is, there's more to Mm -hmm. it as well. It's, um, they're doing things that are wildly inappropriate. They're killing people. They're sacrificing people, which isn't a far stretch from what we're doing today in America with abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say it, it is what it is. Um, sacrificing your children for your greater good. Exactly right. And God does not look favorably, favorably upon that. So Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Are you? Do you have any more notes? I should have asked. Um, not for this. Not for this podcast. Perfect. All right, guys. <laughs> well, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, make sure you tune in next week to continue and finish out chapter two. Thanks for tuning in. If you like us, go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five star rating. If you don't like us, don't touch the stars. Okay. We're really working hard on this. Back away from the phone. (laughs) Back away slowly and no one gets hurt. Um, If you want to support us, check us out at www.theboldmovement.com. And if you would like to monetarily support us, we would be so very grateful. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. Until next time, ladies, go out. And be bold.